And at that time, she exposed my hidden sin of pornography. Yeah. And I, all this time, I'm sitting there putting on a mask in front of these players and coaches with FCA. Hey everybody, welcome to the Reclamation Podcast. I'm excited to bring you this conversation today with Todd Pickford. Todd is the Area Director for Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And in our conversation, we tackle what it means to hear God's voice, what it means to repent from uh, something that's keeping you from God, and how to live in the balance of the two. I think you're going to find this vulnerable, authentic conversation, life-giving and inspirational. I also suspect that if you've ever dealt with something in your life that might be keeping you from God's call, you might see an opening back to God in this conversation. It's a great conversation. You're going to love it. Todd is is very vulnerable and, and forthright. It's, uh, it's just he's a good guy, and I think you'll love him as much as I do. He's so um, transparent, honestly. So enjoy this conversation today. If you do enjoy the conversation, the best compliment that you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend. You know, we're growing, we're changing, we're mixing things up, and we're excited to bring you fresh content all the time. As a matter of fact, in August, we're going to try something brand new. We're going to do a series. The whole month of August, we're going to take a look at kids and sports. We got special guests. I don't want to reveal anybody yet, but we got special guests. We're going to really dial in on sports, sports anxiety, performance anxiety, uh, something that I know has really impacted the life of my kids and uh, something that I hope will um, cause you to think as well. But before we get to that, here's my conversation with Todd Pickthorn. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Reclamation Podcast. I'm Tony, and I'm your host today. I'm here with uh, kind of a newfound friend. Todd, how long have we known each other? I'd say we've known each other about a year and a half now. About a year and a half. And Todd is this incredible um, evangelizer of the gospel. He's out in the community all over the place doing things with FCA called Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And I thought... Todd would be a good person to talk to about the emphasis of sports and life and faith and how do you do all that with kids. So, uh, Todd, let's jump right to it. I always like to start with uh, the question, how do you describe your relationship with God? My relationship with God on a daily basis is kind of a, put it as a a tug-of-war match of God telling me that all these things that he wants me to do with Fellowship Christian Athletes. But along at the same time, I wonder, with my faith, I have a big faith, but sometimes will question, how am I going to financially support my family? Yeah, because you're bivocational, which means that you both serve in ministry and then you serve out of ministry. So you kind of live in the tension of the two. What do you do with the tension that you feel as it pertains to living out your call and still supporting your family? It's always been that question of where will where will it come from? Um, you know, my wife's a teacher, and then so I— So she's obviously being in huge box. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, <laughs> most overpaid profession in the world is right, teachers. Right, right, of course. Huh. No, um, we are a dual-income family, and so uh, with three kids, um, 11, 9, and 4, and two of those actively involved in athletics and uh, very, you know, select sports, gymnastics, which is a small fortune in itself, but... Uh, you have to have an income to provide for your family, and and the you know I've always been raised that usually the the husband is the one that's the provider for his family, and uh, you know we were blessed that my wife could stay home for a few years um, and take care of the kids and enjoy that relationship with the kids. But uh, when we moved here to Ohio a little over three years ago, she got into the school system, got back to teaching, and and so 
oftentimes when God puts something on my heart, I want to do it and I will start taking the steps to do so. And then, you know, Satan comes calling and says, well, if you do this, you're going to lose your house. Or if you do this, you're, the kids aren't going to be able to yeah, play this. So in a lot of ways, you're really wrestling with faith versus fear. Yeah, absolutely. Every day, just every day, it's my calling on my life. I know God's called me to do ministry. And, you know, I know you and I've just sat down and talked before. And I've I've explained this to you and and some concerns I have and fears. And it's like you, you've told me before, well, maybe it's a you do bivocational ministry instead of full-time ministry. But in when I get something on my mind or in my heart that God calls me to do, I want to be able to give 100% or 110% effort into it and make it the best it can be and grow it to the to its fullest. And when I have to concentrate, you know, eight hours a day on a full-time job, I, I can't give those eight hours to ministry. Well, you said something there that's really interesting to me. You said God calls you to something. Now, um, I think a lot of our audience, our listeners, they've heard that before, God calling. How, how do you know, first of all, that it was God and it wasn't like a burrito that you had from the gas station yesterday? Not that you get burritos from the gas station, but like, you know what I mean, like heartburn. Or um, how do you know it's really God and what's the process that you go through to confirm that this is in fact a God calling and not just a Todd dream? Uh, first and foremost, through prayer. Um, I pray, you know, I have to pray on a daily basis numerous times a day and listen so do you, do you stop like it's noon time for the noontime prayer or is it more like how i mean i mean get practical with us here Todd. we got a bunch of people here that may not pray as much as you do i just I, you know it, it could be i'll be driving down the road and sometimes god i'll hear god or the holy spirit talking to me saying you know what there's a there's another piece of property that could be developed into some kind of athletic facility for for kids. So is that the audible voice of God, or more like a divine nudge? I you know, I, I I just hear and and I feel the sense of the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Okay. And then I'll just you know sometimes question again. You know, well, where where's the where's the finance going to come from to build that? You know, or or will it take off? Will it survive? Um, am I able to give up everything and, and do this for the Lord? And, and so I find myself just talking to God throughout the day all the time and, and just, you know, Lord, why me? Yeah. Uh, you know, that's the big question. Why me? Is there anybody else that you can send? <laughs> yeah. And, and the funny thing is, is, is we can, we can deny that God's calling us to do some, something big and we can try to put it off I, i'll be honest with you I, I felt god calling me to do ministry with fca for years and, and i kept put when i when we lived in kentucky and i volunteered and i just kept saying god there's no way no way you can use a sinner like me someone who of a of a past that made so many wrong decisions and so many bad moves in his life to use for your kingdom. But when I would put it off, he would just continually bring it back in the forefront and into the picture. That's amazing. Now we're talking about, um, I I got us a little off track. We're talking about like, what does it mean to um, follow your calling? And the first thing that you said was prayer. What's the second thing? Uh, Discernment and, and opening doors and, and other, other believers um, confirmation through other believers. I mean, so like your community, in other words. Yeah, I mean, I, I not ha- just any community, other followers of Christ. Yeah, I have guys like yourself, Tony, and that I look up to as a mentor or uh, someone who is one of my brothers in Christ, and you know, other guys that we've talked to and done FCA with. You know, Greg Fay in the area, and um, you know, Charlie McMahon and. Uh, some of the other guys in my small group that I meet with on Friday mornings at, uh, in Springboro with a, what we call the DLM group, Dorothy Lane Market Group, and we meet on Friday mornings. And, you know, those. Did you just slip in an advertisement for that group? 
no, no, no. I'm just being, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm being real. I'm yeah, I'm just being no, real. But yeah. you know, those guys, um, you know, getting Jesus calling every morning in an email and reading it. Yeah, your devotional. And, yeah, time. devotionals and putting that in perspective and saying, okay, God, this this devotion just went along with what you spoke to me last night. So or yesterday. So you begin in prayer, and then you move to confirmation through believers, and then confirmation through the Word. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You have to, you put all those together, and then you look at previous success, maybe, or, uh, you know, are doors opening? You know, are the doors opening for you to do this? So then, kind of ease of path. So do, so do you believe that if, the, if God has called you to something, the doors will open for it? Yeah, I mean, I think if, if he's called you to um, take a leap of faith or to trust him, that, you know, it, it says that, you know, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, you know, that he prepares the way he knows what our future holds and to give us a, a hope and a future. I mean, he's going to, you know, open the doors. And, and if it's something that he feels you're not to do, he'll shut that door. I've been there, too, that I thought he was calling me to do something and, the door got shut. So I want to get to, to FCA in just a second, but I think you said something that's worth looking at. You had kind of mentioned your, um, you, you said a sinner like me, and then you kind of mentioned your checkered past. I mean, without going into as much detail as you feel comfortable with, what what are some of the things that you thought that you did or that you thought were going to keep you from doing ministry in your past? And, and maybe just kind of fill in some of those details. Because you, you played baseball at a pretty high level um you played in college right and kind of give us the story there yeah so um at a young age I was invested in sports from the time I could walk really my dad always helped coach and uh with some friends of his and and there was uh, Todd the little bat boy at two years old and and it was always my dream to be a professional baseball player I mean I think to play for the Reds the best team in the world Really, honestly, um, I would have played for anybody uh, at at that point. Um, not a Reds fan. Go St. Louis Cardinals. Oh, you know. I don't even know what's wrong with you. you know, I, yeah. How are we friends? I don't know. For some reason, God put us together. I guess to work <laughs> to guess to work on you. I work guess, on you. I guess um, to work on something. Yeah. So, so okay. Sorry. Be a professional baseball player. That was my ambition and my aspirations, and and so my goal was to. You know, obviously, I wanted to play high school, then college, and then go on and play pro. And and along the way, um, baseball kind of took over my life in middle school. I had given my life to Christ when I was nine in 1988. And uh, when I became 13, 14 years old, um, American Legion ball took over, and uh, I started missing church. I started missing um youth group activities uh the funny saying was in our church youth group was when when march hit or the new year hit in january every year all my buddies would say well we'll never see todd anymore he's in the, he's gone to baseball every single day and it really became an idol in a and honestly it became a religion it was it to me it was eat sleep and breathe wake up go to the ballpark or go to my grandpa's and hit in the batting cage um for a couple hours and then go to practice or a game and road trips and everything on weekends and it just was baseball 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 so you're living that baseball life and then you fell out of your kind of your disciplines and your faith yeah absolutely i you know and then you go into high school high school yeah it just became you know as a Every kid in high school wants to play varsity and be seen at, to get into college. And, and you you did fairly early, right? Uh, yeah, I played some as a sophomore, and then uh, but I was a starter for a junior and senior year at Mimesburg High School. Was able to play it in the regional championships two years in a row. Go Vikings! Yeah, go Vikings! Uh, but and then you know, college came along and the decision of where would Todd go and pursue his secondary education, but also where would uh, that college baseball dream be fulfilled. And I can remember, honestly, Tony, that I never really prayed to God or asked God, what do you want for Todd? You know? Wow. So you you kind of just took God completely out of the equation. Yeah. It was all, it was all about me. 
Um, Where can I go and not have to work hard and be successful on the ball field and um, start? That was my main goal. I want to start as a freshman. And I can remember playing in 1998 senior year and and Coach Nishwitz, who was at Wright State at that time, um, had called me and wanted me to come to Wright State and play and uh, a few other coaches at some bigger programs, uh, Dayton and a few others. And there was a small little school in northern Ohio, Division Three, called Bluffton University. And the coach called me, and I can remember when he was on the other line, he said, if you come next year to Bluffton, you will be our starting second baseman as a freshman. And right then and there, I said, that's where I'm going. You just knew it. I, I said, I know it because, I'm one, I'm not going to have to work hard. I, I've already been guaranteed basically a starting position, uh, big man on campus type ego. Um, so never really seeked God out or listened to the Holy Spirit or God talking to me saying, well, maybe, Todd, you ought to go to go to Wright State and, and maybe you ought to work a little bit for this or have to earn something. And uh, so I went on to college and – in the fall of 98, two hours away from home and far enough for mom and dad not to be in your business. Yeah. Uh, So come on. Yeah. So, um, 19 years old, freshman doing fine. The first, first quarters, we did quarters back then. Um, that's telling you how old I am now, but, uh, did great the first year, uh, carried, I think like almost a 3.0 GPA. And then, the sophomore year came, and I got into knowing the football players more, the mm. basketball players, the baseball players more, um, realizing uh, I was on my own. Nobody was there to watch over me. Nobody would call and check on me. Professors didn't care if you came to class. Um, you were an adult. Basically do whatever you want. Yep, do whatever you want. Freedom. And I can remember my life started to spiral in the wrong direction in my sophomore year. And I can remember um, getting my grade card after one quarter uh, in the fall of 1999-2000, my sophomore year. And I think I had straight Ds. I think I didn't even hit them. I don't even think I cleared a 1.0 GPA. Well, that I mean, that's no easy task. Well, I would say I scored a 4.0 on euchre and alcohol. <laughs> and and uh, oh man, those and, are some of my favorite yeah, things yeah. in college: U- euchre, euchre, um, beer parties, uh, and late nights and clubs. And that's when my life really drastically spun out of control. And and then not only that, but after I graduated from college, um, I, I so you did graduate. Yeah, from yeah, I graduated. Um, actually, did you stay on in the baseball program the whole time, or did you have to leave? Yeah, baseball? no, no. I was fortunate enough to play four straight years. Start at Bluffton. Yeah, I started uh, every game but two Second in my base career. Was Second base shortstop. Yeah, I was fortunate enough uh, to become one of the top ten hitters all-time hitters in career there with hits and set some other records in fielding stolen bases had a great career um wouldn't do only thing i'd do different is work harder in the weight room um i i took the easy road i mean back when i played uh tony honestly the game was different that's when the steroid era hit and uh they weren't looking for a five six guy that weighed 135 to 140 pounds soaking wet who could run fast. They were looking for a guy that was 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, yeah. I mean, everybody was looking for Mark McGuire yeah, they were looking, and exactly. Sammy Sosa. Yeah. I, now yeah. I remember yeah. that. So, yeah. so after college, I, I did get invited to a couple tryouts, and I tried out for the Cincinnati Reds. Um, yes, I did try out for the Cincinnati Reds. Best organization uh, in all of baseball. The, I was invited to a tryout. There was, I think there was 500 of us there, and I was able to make it uh, pretty far in the tryout. But uh, – never real never got a call and uh so i think i think what happened was i was mad at god mm. i was i was mad and i was like you know okay god why 
why did you not give me the power? Why did you not make me 6'3", 235 pounds or 225 and able to run a 6'6", and steal bases and hit line drive, hit home runs? Yeah, because it is kind of weird to have that dream on your heart and just not have the gifts to get there, right? There's nothing you can do that's going to make you taller. Yeah, no, I mean... I mean, you can't change your physical attributes. No, I mean, neither neither one of my parents are are big. I mean, you know, they were both 5'4". My mom, like 5'4". My dad's probably 5'7". You know, so I didn't come from a big family. And, you know, I think... And I had a grandfather that... Will, would tell you up to his death about a year and a half ago would tell you that I was the best baseball player in the Miami Valley that never got a chance and and he honestly was a um he was an atheist when he died and he did not believe in God he did not believe in Jesus and and I told him up to his day of his death that you know God just did not have the call on Todd's life to be a professional baseball player and he would always tell me that was hogwash that it was all because of my size and and I think I just I, I was mad, um, and so that spiraled into a life of after college that I would move in with a dear with a dear friend of mine for a year, and I'm a college graduate in sports management undergrad, and I'm working at a small sporting goods store printing uh, T-shirts for about ten fifty an hour. I mean, you talk about setting the bar high yeah (laughs) i'm sitting there working from 7 a.m i mean it has to feel like your life is spiraling yeah so so i'm sitting there printing these t-shirts at 10 50 an hour and i'm sitting there like my life sucks yeah i went and got this degree in sports management to work in the high school athletic department as an ad or to work in a minor league baseball organization and ticket sales marketing program somewhere along that line basketball professional basketball something college athletics whatever it may be and i'm sitting here with a degree printing t-shirts while all my other guys that i had graduated college with have already got jobs lined up as as marketing people or cpas or now, business leaders. At any point in time, do you make the connection that this may have something to do with the work ethic stuff or the easy way out? Or No, like, I, I, I always went back to... I got dealt the shorthand. I, I played baseball in the summer or I coached in the summer and I didn't put in time doing um, internships to get experience. Hmm. Um, and everybody I applied with was like, we want two or three years of experience and or internship and it was like well where do you get that experience if you're working for free and then it was well i I would rather coach some kids and i want to become a coach and and it just i i never went back to thinking i didn't work hard or that it wasn't god's plan it just always was i was mad and so the the nights that i would work at the after i got off work Often nights, weekends especially, would just be drinking and going to uh, the wrong clubs. Sure. Um, And then God woke me up um, in 2003, and he sent me down to this little town outside Lexington, Kentucky, called Winchester, Kentucky. So God's country down there in the bluegrass, no better place. Uh, home of the best, you know, University of Kentucky basketball and, and all UK sports. So I'm, I'm sitting there at my <laughs> sister's house in Winchester, Kentucky. Yep, in Winchester, Kentucky. I go to their church at Central Baptist Church, and I hear a message from a guest pastor that day about how God can forgive everything you've ever done and that he is just waiting for you to come home Basically, the story of the prodigal son. Yeah, a, a child of of a of a parent who loved the Lord, worked for the Lord, who went out in the wilderness and gave all his life and just basically lived a life of party and just threw away everything he had. And that I, I, that was me. I can remember de- rededicating my life to Christ that day, 
And it was then that I went back home that weekend and the guy that I was living with and my friends, they knew there was something different about Todd. And I told him about what had happened. And so about two or three weeks later, I decided to pack up and just move to Winchester, Kentucky to live with my sister and brother-in-law. They took me in and I was able to find, you know, a job at the local YMCA working there. Um, but I was getting my life back on track. Basically, you decided that you were going to surround yourself with some people that would not let you be self-destructive. Yeah, I had to, I had to make a move. I, I honestly say to this day, if I had not moved to Winchester, then Todd would probably be uh, down on First Street in the Montgomery County Jail. Yeah. Uh, from either a DUI and killing somebody or through a wreck or even myself, I probably would either have been may have even not even been here today uh, because of just stupid decisions. And while you're down there in Winchester, you end up meeting future Mrs. Todd Pickthorn. Yeah, so um, I can I can remember. Brown chicken, brown cow. <laughs> I, I, can, I always said when I was growing up that I was going to meet and I was going to live in Kentucky and I was going to marry a southern gal. And I can remember the day that she walked up to my sister's door knocked on the door I opened the door um, and she asked if my sister was home and and I'm telling everybody this for any of you single guys out there this is the perfect way to win a girl's heart so take note but uh, this gal was standing there at the door and I told her yes Tina's here let me go get her and the next move is what took her swept her off her feet I I shut the door in her face (laughs) and and Tony how to win friends and influence people yes and and Tony, we've been married be 15 years. Oh, congratulations. This July, three kids. Uh, God definitely has done something that I don't deserve. But but back to where I was, um, I, want, I want to be clear with people. I, I don't want to pull any punches. I don't want to sugarcoat anything. God wasn't done, with, and, and Satan wasn't done with Todd. Um, so married in 2004 sure. to, to, to my wife. Um, and God had given me opportunities to work and everything, but, and then in around 2000 and, uh, 2008 or nine, um, I started getting involved with fellowship Christian athletes at the local high schools there in central Kentucky. And so I was going in and, and was speaking to young athletes in high school and, basically telling them not what to do not you know not what to do bad not the deci- don't make bad decisions don't do this don't do that uh and especially with guys i was talking with all guys teams mm. and it was like you know don't do this don't do that if you want to be a true man of god but in i can remember in 2000 and i think it was 2014 or so um I can remember I was coaching the freshman baseball team at the local high school. In Kentucky. In Kentucky. And I can remember my wife sending me a text message one night and telling me while I'm at practice that I need to come home. Um, At that time, we had, uh, yeah, David, our oldest, he was six at the time. So, yeah, 2014 because he was born in 08. And he, I had gotten a new cell phone, and he was asking if he could play on it. And my wife asked me a question about disabling Safari or something on my phone. And and at that time, she exposed my hidden sin of pornography. Yeah. And I, all this time, I'm sitting there putting on a mask. In front of these players and coaches with FCA, so you're trying to trying to walk in the light in front of other people, but when you're by yourself, you're in the dark. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm in the dark. I mean, I'm I'm hiding the pornography. I'm living in that, you know, just uh, in that destructive life. And let let me ask you this before before we go any further, because I I think this is a worthwhile topic to to land on for just a second. you know, I, I talk to a lot of guys who don't think pornography is that big of a deal. 
What do you think makes pornography so destructive to men and specifically, uh, well, men and women, but specifically in relationships? Well, it gives you it gives you a false sense of 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 women. I mean, it, it basically, in my opinion, it gives you um, a woman who isn't has no flaws at all. Uh, basically, they they paint a picture of this woman who's you know from head to toe there's nothing wrong with her uh you know the it's you're lusting and for first off you're looking at another woman uh when you're watching it or looking through a magazine or whatever it may be i mean you're you're looking at another woman with with intentions of uh, getting aroused i guess and and uh lord and you know we know that's not right i mean we know that's a sin that we we should have eyes only for one, uh, one woman, and that's our wife. And you know, God gave us a wife for a reason to meet our our needs of with with sex, and and she should be the one that we should pour that into. And it's it paints a picture of everything that's just wrong. Uh, that you know, they they make this this life that is just they give you these pictures in these in movies and so forth that. That isn't real. It's not real, real life. Yeah, I, I think you're saying kind of what I've heard before, which is it, it creates a fantasy, and the fantasy becomes a divide in the marriage that makes it hard to do life together. Yeah, and then and then you're really tearing down your wife. She thinks that she's not good enough a lot of times so that you're going to this fantasy land. Yeah. And... When she wakes up in the morning and looks in the mirror, man, there are just always consequences for sin. There is, no and matter how you slice it. Like your sin, you think may only affect you. Like, uh, but pornography, just like so many other sins, is not a victimless crime in terms of how it relates to the people in your circle and in your life. Yeah, no, I mean we're going on eleven, or I think five or six years now of, of me being free of that addiction. And and there's still days that my wife wrestles with, with the issue that I had that she doesn't, she doesn't stack up to what I would had would hope that she did, uh, yeah. as far as looks or anything like that. And but you, you know that's the thing. Once you break the trust, I mean it, it's so hard to it, it never goes back to the way it was prior to the brokenness. Yeah. So I mean, so that was there. I mean, uh, and now you married a strong Southern woman. Yeah, I did. So she calls you home that night, and it's World War Three. Yeah, the kids are gone. Yeah. Uh, her so parents lived in town. Parents, yeah. yeah, so yeah. that's never. I mean, every guy in the world that's ever had a knockout, drag out with their spouse knows that when the kids aren't there. Yeah, the the two of the kids are gone because the other one wasn't born yet. Kids are gone. I walk in just as I would any other day after practice or after a game or whatever, thinking, "Eh, you know, nothing's wrong. I'll just smooth this over." Uh, it'll all be fine. No big deal. She should understand uh, that every guy deals with this. Sure. Um, you know, why would they make it? Why would they put it out there if they didn't want people looking at it? So so she calls me in and, and basically says, what is this? And, and she asked me, she asked me the question and, I, and immediately denial. I, oh, that's not me. I didn't do that. I promise you, I didn't do that. That was so and so at work, and that was they got a hold of my phone and they did this just to you know play a joke on me. And you know, long story short, I broke down and and God got a hold of me and said, "You you you can't lie about this." And, and number one, the number one thing that my I've learned over the years that my wife cannot stand is a liar. If there's one thing in life that she cannot stand more than anything, it's someone that lies. And so I knew I was all I was doing was digging my grave six feet under, real quick. Real quick. I mean, our it was it was either fess up and get help, or I'm out. And so you fess up. So I fessed up and said I'm wrong, and and I said I will get help. Okay, so now I I do want to pause the story right there because I I think that there are probably people listening men and women who are dealing with a real pornography addiction, if they're in the throes of their shame and guilt, they feel horrible about it, but yet they can't stop looking. If you've ever 
been in that cycle of addiction before. I know I have, n- not just with pornography, although I've, I've wrestled with that myself, but lots of things like, um, what's the first step that you tell somebody to break the bonds, the chains of addiction? The first thing you have to do is admit you have a problem. Yeah. If you don't admit you have a problem, then you'll just keep going back to it because you'll sit there and say, well, it's just a little, it's just a taste of this or a taste of that. You have to admit, I've got a problem and I can't do this on my own. I need to get help. And so that's the first thing I would tell anyone who's out there right now, it, whether it's it's drugs, alcohol, um, gambling, whether it's pornography, lying, lust, whatever it is, you have to admit I have an issue, I have a problem, and I need help. So you do that, and where do you get the help from? So I found a counselor in Lexington, um, okay. a guy by the name of Michael Rogers. Um, how how and, long did you see him for? So I went to him for probably a year to uh, 12 months to 15 months. Sure. And it was intense. And, and I, along at the same time, we were going to couples counseling too, my wife and I. So you're seeing multiple counselors. Yeah, so I, I said I'll do – I basically said I'll do whatever I have to do to save my marriage. Because when I when I made that commitment on July 17, 2004, it was a commitment that I had made forever. Uh, my wife and I never – we always said we would not divorce. And, and before kids, it was always we'll not divorce because we made a promise to each other. Well, then when kids came on the way along, it was we'll, we'll do whatever we have to to stay together for the kids. Well, honestly, we would stay together because we made a promise to one another and because we love each other and because that's what Christ calls us to do, not just because of the sake of the kids. Yeah. Um, you know, so so I'm going to counseling with her, um, and then I'm going to counseling on my own, and the M- Michael Rogers, the counselor, challenged me to write my story of when I was young enough to have first experienced, like, the first taste of seeing a woman uh in a magazine or on TV and lingerie or anything like that like when when did that start and then how did anything spiral out of control from that and he he challenged me and it was and, and also why did I you know I used it as an escape hmm. um I felt like I could run to that as an escape when I was struggling in baseball got it um or as a coping mechanism. It was a coping mechanism, yeah. Or I'm struggling to find a gal in college to, to show interest in me. Sure. Uh, or after college, if I went out somewhere with my buddies, you know, here's Todd, the short guy, 5'6", 130-pound short guy, and then I'm going out with these with my buddies that are 6'2", six, 6'3", six, you know, that's the type of type of guy a girl wants. They want the taller guy, not the shorter guy. So I guess I had short men syndrome, as they yeah, call it. Yeah. So this was a you know this was a way of coping with. Okay, here's a fantasy. I can go get this unbelievable looking woman that's fake that I'm never going to have a chance to date or marry or anything. But I could cope with my, in reality that my that I was sad of what I had been given is is my life. I guess you know was given the short straw in life. So you get the you get the healing process by writing all of that out. You work through it, and now you've got uh, eleven years sober from that. Uh, uh, sober meaning free about, from addiction. I, yeah, I mean it's well, total freedom has been. I mean, it was in two thousand fourteen when I got caught, so it's been five years. Okay. So, um, you know, so yeah, I get help. Um, we reconcile our marriage. We've, we've had, you know, another child is born between, Praise God you know, him. that time. Um, and then that's when God comes back in and says, okay, you've done all this filthy stuff. You got all these filthy rags, but I'm going to use you for the glory of my kingdom to reach other people for Christ. Come on, that'll preach. And he says, I want you 
to go to seminary and get your minute degree in ministry, in discipleship ministry. I want you to disciple others. Okay. And I, again, yeah, I'm sitting there going, are you sure? Yeah, there's no way. Is this the wrong number? This is the wrong number. This is the wrong person. There's no way you're calling Todd, this filthy sinner, into ministry. So in 2015, I surrendered to his call and started attending Liberty University Theological Seminary online to get my degree in master's in Christian ministry with a concentration in discipleship and small group ministry. Okay. And so I, I got that, I got the degree, and I started, you know, searching for where God wanted to use me. But he had to, he still had to prune me and he still had to groom me for ministry. He yeah, because it's a process. Yeah, he right? can't, like, you don't just go to college, We're get a degree, in, and in yeah. an hour, but it, you know, this took a lifetime. Yeah, this, yeah, he doesn't just send you the ministry and you get a degree in two or four years and you walk into a job usually. He's, he's pruning you the whole way. And so, we're we're still in Kentucky, and then um, I'm still working some stuff with FCA, but not as much. and And I'm I'm doing small group ministry at church. And uh, in 2016, he he sends me a call from one of my longtime friends here in Dayton, who had gotten me into um, a job with the company I was with in Lexington in the uh, printing world printing business and uh, I was being very successful very successful and he says would you like to come back to Dayton and and I was like are you serious and so my wife and I talked about it prayed about it and look for confirmation from other confirmation people, right? yeah, and, you went through the process yep. so I, I interviewed for with this company in Dayton and for a position, and uh, we put our house on the market, and within like a month, we had an offer. So, and then we came up here to look for a house, and uh, we we looked in Centerville, Kettering, Mimesburg, Fair, uh, Springboro, and we we ended up in Springboro. And so, I started that job in in May of sixteen, and um, my wife and kids joined me a month later. Mm. And during this time, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm wondering, how can I get involved with Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Dayton? And I, I didn't hear much about them up here in this area. So I met with the gentleman out of Cincinnati who oversaw this area. I just reached out and I said, what can I do? And he said, well, we don't really have a presence in Dayton. There's not much presence at all. And uh, so I started asking God, is this where you're calling me to go? And so he opened the door for me to start working just voluntarily in the Dayton area, trying to start up some FCA things. Okay, so now um, before we go any further on the FCA stuff, how would you give me your best elevator pitch for FCA? Uh, what is it for somebody who maybe has never heard of it before? Because it's not a, it's not a local church exactly, but it partners with a local church. How would you describe? kind of your elevator spiel i see pulling out paper i maybe you already wrote it down uh, what's your elevator pitch on what fca is so fca is a campus ministry for uh, middle school and high school students and even colleges that want to see the world transform for jesus christ through athletes and coaches okay so it's a it's it's ministry to the world from athletes and coaches and two to athletes and coaches as well. Yes. So we want to we want to get on a school campus so so we're able to uh, go on a school campus um, and a lot of times we don't even have to get an okay from a administrator because um, of the um, the reputation. Yeah, yeah the yeah. reputation. Because FCA's been around for a long time. FCA's been around for 60 plus years. Uh, it's headquartered. It's almost, in, yeah. almost as old as you are. Yeah, yeah. I'm only a few years behind. But uh, <laughs> they're just so people know, they're headquartered in Kansas City, Missouri. 
a lot of times people get the diff they get uh confused that fca and athletes in action which is in xenia ohio are two different campus ministries but it's the same idea though uh, same idea just both both ministries focus on a different age and a different different way of doing ministry so athletes in action great ministry i know a lot of guys in that organization and with that ministry and they're doing wonderful job on the college campuses and in the professional sports world and international ministry but fellowship christian athletes fca focuses right here at home in the local community with the local junior high and high schools and even um youth sports in the in the uh travel sports world yeah because you, you have a you have a baseball team a select baseball team organization even called the uh the dayton ducks right yeah so yeah i i that was a that was a vision that god gave me um again uh my son david who's who was nine at the time when we moved here uh he played select ball um that first year and and didn't have a great experience and uh so um I decided God laid it on my heart and said, Todd, we want you to want you to start an organization that's focused around Christ centered baseball. Mm. And so I started it's two of my favorite things. Yes, yeah, so I wonder baseball. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't get much better than that for a guy that loves loves baseball like me and then loves Jesus more than he ever has and Jesus working in his life. And so I I said, okay, God, how am I going to do this? And um, the first thing you got to do is you got to find a place to play. So hard. And so I'm out at with my son uh, during his nine-year year, and we're practicing out at Beyond the Game Sports Complex. And I, I walk over, um, and I'm talking to a gentleman who – uh, I'm having having at the time doing some business work with for my job for a local church at at uh, the local church, and I go over and and I'm talking to this gentleman and and I said uh, I said something about FCA baseball mm. next next year in 2018 I think it was in in 17 18 and and the gentleman looks at me and he says you know that we have a ball field at our church and there's also a piece of property that's out behind that field that has a backstop and dugouts that's uh, fences for dugouts that's ready to for another field i said looked at him and i said we need to talk and i left there that night from practice and i, I started praying to god you know how are you going to do this yeah, that's it. Opening up the window. Yeah. Open up the doors, yeah. right? Open, Open up, up the doors. Windows. Okay, there's there's the door. So there's the door to walk through. So I get into a conversation with with Eric from First Baptist Church Kettering, and Eric says we've had a vision that we would love for somebody to use these ball fields. I want you to share your vision with this gentleman. Brian. And so I can remember sitting at Cracker Barrel on Wilmington Pike. And I shared. I think some of the best meetings in the world happen at Cracker Barrel. Cracker Barrel and Panera. Yeah, Those are the yeah, two go to. A lot of Jesus talks go on Jesus at, talk. at Panera. And, and so we're sitting there, and I shared my vision that I wanted to have an organization that would not only provide kids with an opportunity to play competitive baseball at a high level but that it would be an organization that would be centered around jesus christ and and fellowship of christian athletes Hmm. and so i shared that vision in a lunch meeting and as they said in the old movie the best baseball movie of all time field of dreams if you build it they will come Hmm. and that day in that at that Wilmington Pike Cracker Barrel FCA baseball was birthed through myself and First Baptist Kettering and Brian Culpepper. And I can we put in countless hours building that little field for one team last year 
we had a 10U select baseball team of FCA, Dayton Ducks. And as I said, if you build it, they will come. Hmm. And in when the Lord's hands at work, people find it. People want something different. And in one year, we've expanded from one team to four teams. Wow. That are Dayton Ducks baseball program. But that's not all, Tony. God works in mysterious ways because I sent out an email to all 200-plus coaches in the Midwest Ohio Baseball League last year talking about FCA baseball. I don't want FCA to just be a Dayton Ducks baseball program. Yeah. I want FCA baseball to be a brand of other organizations that implement Christ-centered baseball into their programs. So when I did that, I met with a couple other coaches. And so today, not only do I have my four Dayton Ducks teams, but I have three Dayton Impact teams that are 11U that are under the FCA baseball umbrella and also the Ohio Freedom um, who is a 10U program that is under the FCA umbrella. So we have eight total FCA baseball teams here in the Miami Valley. Wow, praise God. Yeah, and so we're trying – yes, we get as fired up as any coach when we play I mean, in a competitive situation. One of us in the room has been ejected from a baseball game before. Uh, yeah, one one's – Pretty good under under number, but you know, over under. I don't know. I'll plead the fifth on that, but <laughs> you know, again, if it's again, not competitive, what's the point of doing it? Right, that's right. And it, so, you can be competitive and be Christian. Yes, you can. And sometimes there's things in our life that we just need to work on, and, and that to, can be our competitiveness or, or anger. And, and to your credit, you did everything you could to make it right. Yeah, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time this year, and was sticking up for one of my coaches. Uh, it he, happens. Yeah, and I'm the one who got tossed. Still to this day wondering what in the world happened. But you you did what you could to make it right. That's right. So, And that's the heart of the Christian spirit, right? Yeah, that's right. Take, take, take all my faults, take yep. all my stuff, and use it to better the kingdom of God. But, but through all this in the last two years, God has shown me what impact sports can have on not only coaches and athletes, but on parents. Yeah. And so that's where the FCA comes into play with the high schools and junior highs and the the select sports is, is we want to get on the campus of a local school. So we'll just be in here at Restoration Church today. We'll use Centerville High School, for example. Um, My favorite high school. Yeah, you're. I, I love you, Tony, because you're so invested in this community. I mean, I know I could use you and in other communities to help me with FCA, but you want to invest in a in a school that is a stone throw away from your campus here. Yeah, and that's what I love about you because you've developed some great relationships, not only with the students but with coaches at that school. Well, they're some of the greatest people I know uh, work over in that building. So anything yeah. we can do to support them, and that's so, what we're all about. So what we do is is when we first come on, we want to find a, a teacher or an administrator who is of the Christian faith. Uh, we are non-denominational, so we don't we don't discriminate against that. You don't have to be Baptist. You don't have to be. Methodist, Catholic, or Christian, or anything—you just have to be a follower of Christ. You yeah. have to be a Christian, and so we want an administrator or a teach, preferably a teacher, um, who is a Christian and and a believer in Christ, and wants to see their campus impacted with the kingdom and and especially sports. And we want that teacher to open up their room once a week or twice a month for 30-minute to 40-minute time for the students to gather and have some sort of devotion, some sort of um, testimony from a local business leader, a local pastor, or or just uh, some type talk on some type of topics. And then... Yeah, and, and our uh, team does the, a combination of, the, of all of that. Yeah, so you guys, yourself and Greg Fay, um, took it on to be the campus 
people, basically the huddle leaders, what we call huddle leaders. Well, and we would be lost without Casey Clark. Yeah, Clark. yeah. Casey Clark has been our teacher, and so Casey, and he was trying to do it before, long before we ever got there. Yeah, Casey was trying to do it. He just had nobody to help He's, run the show man. that was FCA with FCA, and that's where I came along. I kind of want to be like Casey when I grow up, if I'm honest. I just don't know if I can do that much running. He does. He's the cross country coach. Yeah, and he does a lot of running. <laughs> I don't do that much running anymore. Uh, never did much running so i always said the furthest i was going to run was 90 feet because i was a triple if i hit a home run baby i was going to enjoy it and i was going to have the sweetest home run trot you'd ever see did you ever hit one in 20 years playing three three okay three home runs and man did i enjoy them so but so so yeah you get fca on a campus yeah so we get fca on a campus get that teacher leader to open their room uh find local pastors youth pastors it's a great way for youth pastors to connect with their schools because be honest with you youth pastors are looking to get on school campuses but they're shut out because of separation of church and state and because of the equal rights act fca can get on the campus no problem yeah so now we bring in a youth pastor or pastor like yourself and some business leaders to come in, Greg Fay was great this year. He was the donut man every single Thursday morning. He's just rock solid. They, yeah, he's. They know him. They have to know when he walks in on Thursday morning, the Bills Donut Shop, what he's there for. Yeah. Wow. And and so he we loves would. The city. Yeah. So we get we get in the school, and then once we if we if there's not a teacher who's willing to open their room, that's okay, because then we want to move on to uh, sports specific teams and so one thing that you and i were blessed and greg the blessed to have the opportunity this year was to work with coach ullery brent ullery and his uh centerville football team and coach ullery was great uh every thursday evening they would have a dinner in their cafeteria and um at around five fifteen, and we would go in every thursday night and just have a 20 minute or so devotion time fca what we call fca huddle time with the football team and I would say on average we had 15 football players every week. Yeah, because it wasn't mandatory. But it was just something that, you know, if you wanted to, you could do. And it was it was good. And and, and let, me, let me ask you this, because I, I would get away from the specifics a little bit, but kind of more to that meta thought process. If there's a pastor listening or a youth pastor or maybe a teacher or, or somebody like that, what what is the benefit that FCA brings to the table when working with athletes in that kind of setting? Like, what's the, what's the, what's the why behind it all? What's the point? The Reverend Billy Graham said it best. One coach will have more influence on one student athlete in one year than an individual might have any given person might have in that child's lifetime because there is no off season anymore. Yeah. So a coach is normally a teacher in the school system or an administrator. That coach is spending more time with our athletes than those athletes are spending at home. For sure. And so if we can get to the heart of a coach and that coach can get to the heart of his athletes, it's amazing what God can do through a team. And so for you as a just having being able to pour wisdom and being able as a church leader, a, a business leader, Christian business leader, a parent, Christian parent who might want to lead a huddle with a team, having that weekly influence with the coach or with the with the players, it, it will change lives. And we saw it last year, um, being up front. Uh, Centerville didn't have the greatest football season last year. And we know, we know what kind of powerhouse Centerville has always been in the, in the G-Walk. And with you and I being part of that program last year, we heard rumblings in the community because nobody talks this day and age around communities about any coach or any athlete. or any, Nobody gossips. <laughs> in the sports world and people weren't happy with where things were going and with where coach was but coach knew 
that he had a group of men he could rely on to pour prayer into him, scripture, or just motivational, uplifting text messages on a weekly basis. Yeah. To know that his identity as a coach is in Christ, not in the wins and losses. I love it. I love it. So let's say um, I, I do want to get to that. How, how would somebody bring FCA to their school? I mean, obviously, in the, if they're in the Dayton area, they can call you, and we'll get to your contact information. But where's the best place for them to start um, nationally? Is it Does FCA have a website? Yeah, so the main the main web website is just uh, fca.org. Okay. Um but there's, we'll link to that in the show notes. Yeah, but there's also southwestohioFCA.org which we fall under Cincinnati Southwest area. And you've got a newsletter that you could you send out. I mean, yeah, so how would somebody get in contact with you if they're like Todd, I need this and I'm in the Dayton area? You can do you can go to my email which is tpickthorn@fca.org uh to email me and ask me to be put on your list. Uh, or to be subscribed to the newsletter every month, or you can contact me via phone, uh, my number, 937-312-5405. Uh, and then you're also on Facebook, too, Yeah, right? Facebook yeah. under Todd Pickthorn. Or, or FCA. Miami Valley Miami FCA, Valley FCA. FCA Facebook page, Dayton Ducks Facebook page. So you got, got we're there. You're we got there. it all covered. Um, I'm old school, so Facebook. I don't, you know, I don't do Twitter. Don't or, do Instagram, Snapchat. Instagram, right. I'm old. I'm old. Tony, I'm old. We've established that. Yes. Yeah. So so if people want to know more about how they can get plugged in and involved, that's a way to do it. Um, we're in the development stages of uh, putting together some leadership training this summer at a local high school or church for student leaders yeah. and uh, local business leaders that want to take part in running a huddle or being part of the campus ministry. Yeah, so if anybody who feels called, is, if you're getting a nudge from God and it's the God, this may be the door that you needed. This door is now officially opened for you. If you're ready to do, take your faith to the next level and lead the next generation through sports and kingdom building, making disciples, this you need to reach out to Todd or myself and we'll get you connected. Yeah, and then, you know, or, or if you're a coach in a select league, even basketball or, right. the, or yeah. baseball, and you want, want to be don't part of the FCA. Wrestling, anybody. Just, yeah, wrestling, yeah. any sport, any sport. Fishing. Yep. These these student athletes need to see the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, last question I always love to ask my guests, and you've listened to my podcast before. I don't know if you've ever made it to the end, but the last question I always love to ask is if you could go back, go back to young Todd, college baseball player Todd Pickthorn, going into Bluffton, guaranteed to start second base, what's the one piece of advice you'd give yourself? To stay grounded in the faith. Hmm. Stay grounded in the Word of God. Because every challenge, every struggle, every sin, anything that's thrown at us today or yesterday or in the days to come is found in God's Word. Yeah. The answer to defeat all of those things is in God's Word. And if I would have just know, if I would have just leaned, as he says, lean not on your own understanding, lean into him. You know, Matthew 7, 7, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door will be open. I love it. That would be what I would live my life by if I had to go back. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things I like to say all the time is if you're not dedicated to your disciplines, you'll be destroyed by your distractions. All right, man. Well, hey, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for giving the time today to be here on the Reclamation Podcast. Um, I will link to all of your social media stuff and the ways people can connect with you. Um, and I'm looking forward to see what God does through sports and Fellowship of Christian Athletes here in the Miami Valley. Tony, I can't thank you enough. Uh, you've become a brother in Christ of mine and just a guy that I love uh, just sitting down and talking to, and and you're so full of wisdom, and even though you are a Reds fan. And a Buckeyes fan. And a Buckeyes fan. The best college football program in the country. I still love you. It's my podcast. And I will, I will, that has to be true. I will still pray for you daily that you'll have a change of heart. <laughs> All right, brother. We'll talk to you real soon. Thanks.
Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to my conversation with Todd. I hope that you found it as life-giving as I did. I, uh, I tell you, when we dove into that topic on pornography and um, that type of sin and how it holds us back from God's call, um, yeah, it, it got me. It just It's so important to know that whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're wrestling with, you're not out there by yourself. I think oftentimes we get to a place where we feel like we have to do all of this alone, that we're the Lone Ranger. And the truth is we need each other. And I'm thankful for guys like Todd in my community and guys like Greg and Casey who are doing FCA to pour into future leaders, future disciple makers. And uh, I'm excited for you. Thank you for being a part of our podcast community and for sharing what God is doing here at the Reclamation Podcast. As always, the biggest compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with somebody who's maybe never heard before. Share the word about what God is doing in and through you with somebody new. Thank you so much. Look forward to talking to you guys real soon.